Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. I'm Jenna Layden, founder of Star Family Wisdom and a former Global Vice President for Whole Foods Market. Thank you for joining us today. And I'm Sinead Wheelahan, a former special needs educator and co-host of the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. Star Family Wisdom is a paradigm-shifting podcast, a community, and an online school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review and a comment. Let us know what resonates with you and what you'd like to hear more of. We would love to connect more with you. And although we only met last year, the journey and experiences that have led us here were very similar. Five years ago, Sinead and I both had experiences that changed our lives forever. And after years of exploration and healing and research, we now know that our reality is so much more expansive and beautiful than we used to believe. And we quickly became friends last year, started having long conversations about all of our experiences. And we realized that we want to share these conversations with you. Yes, because we know that right now is a very important time in human history, and we're not alone. In the, it's time for everybody to know that. So on this podcast, we intend to share conversations, ideas, and information that will inspire you and support you on this wild journey of being human. We're going to explore ancient clues about our untold human story, real-life supernatural experiences, lost knowledge from the stars, and spiritual wisdom that empowers you to transform your life for the better. And at Star Family Wisdom, we are experiencers of supernatural phenomena, mystical experiences, ET contact. And because of that, it's important to us that we have open, mature, and fun conversations about what is possible, what is happening, and how we are evolving as humans. Yes. So while we love all things woo, magic, and mindset, science, or spirituality, health, and wellness, we also love all things extraterrestrial. We believe we are not alone in this time and on this planet. And through these conversations, we want to explore how all of these topics connect to inform the evolution of our collective human experience. And ultimately, we want everyone to be able to embrace a multidimensional reality without fear. And things will get a little far out here at Star Family Wisdom, but we'll always ground you in the things we have used to expand our minds and open to the incredible nature of our reality. Yeah, so together we're going to discover and remember our place among the stars. And in this episode, we reflect on experiences that Amanda Romania has had. Amanda is a really extraordinary person. She is somebody who is now, she says out loud, she's in her 50s. This is not something women are supposed to do, right? You're not supposed to say your age out loud. She doesn't care. She knows that we are eternal beings, that we are on an eternal journey, living each lifetime to gather uh, more wisdom and knowledge for you know, for human evolution and to heal old wounds. And so she brings to this path that all of us are on together a huge amount of expertise and life experience. She's somebody who has a PhD in business marketing and business strategy and has made those uh, those academic learnings and that traditional kind of um, pathway through school and learning into a career that is now all about holistic health and wellness, connecting with our spiritual uh, lineage, our star lineage, connecting with the Akashic records and all of the data that we have compiled with our actions, thoughts, and words over tons of lifetimes. 
Um, and she helps people to really understand where they are now and where they are in conjunction to their cosmic being as well. So Amanda is doing all kinds of things. She's got a store in Sedona that's really beautiful. It's full of crystals, her books, beautiful images, all kinds of things that you can purchase as totems and as things to help you learn further on your journey. But she's also doing sessions and teaching with people about the Akashic Records, about their star lineage and about their spiritual path to help them come into that knowledge and understanding of who we all really are as cosmic beings more and more. And she believes that this is a very special time to be doing that. So she's quite something. Yeah, you know, I first saw her shop months ago before we met her and I was passing by her shop on the way to another appointment it caught my eye. I stopped and looked through the window at all of the photographs and art and um, totems that she has in the shop. And I immediately felt this connection, like I need to go in there at some point. And then fast forward to when Sinead was here in Sedona, Sinead and I were at a conference where we saw and met Amanda and Sinead had this just instant kind of connection and was drawn to her and, and had this very synchronistic meeting with Amanda at that conference. So, so it was very fun to have these kind of two synchronicities leading up to today's conversation where, you know, we really felt this kind of soul reunion happening. Yes, and I love that she said that as well, you know, because it's always one thing when you feel that way about someone, but to have them say, oh, you're Temple Sisters, I recognize yeah. you, Temple Sisters. That's so beautiful. She brings that up in the interview. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We talk about so much, you know, about her her past and childhood and her, you know, kind of journey through the, the education system and, you know, moving into a, a what would be a corporate, you know, kind of future and environment to then having a, a very spiritual experience in NDE that, you know, led to her gifts kind of activating and awakening, which we're hearing about, you know, in so many cases today that there are these very significant events in someone's life that trigger this like activation. Yes, yes. One of the things she mentioned, I was very moved by this, actually. She talked about um, having a near-death experience where yeah. she had been hugging at the same time. And she talked a bit about that in the interview, not in depth, but enough that it really made an impression on us because she was talking about the experience of mostly having the NDE and coming back and, and realizing that her whole reality was different, but primarily that her psychic abilities and her intuitive abilities had just rocketed upwards. This is a very common experience that people have with NDEs. They have a near-death experience. They have an experience while they're in the near-death state, and then they come back and they're incredibly psychic, incredibly intuitive, incredibly tuned in. It's just as if a switch gets turned on. So that was one of her activation moments. And she's had a few of them through her lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. She talks about her, you know, kind of journey to physical sites, you know, on earth to Glastonbury, which, um, you know, she explains beautifully is, you know, kind of that, that ancient and medieval kind of magical connection there. She's been to Egypt so many times. And, and in the interview, we talk a little bit about her knowledge of our ancient history and, and maybe the, the right version of our ancient history that we're now remembering and understanding and scientifically validating in some cases. And so, you know, she talks about her experience traveling to these places and after years and years of going to these sacred spiritual sites, you know, that has also continued to awaken and activate 
you know, what she now understands to be, you know, these connections with the star races. Yes. Yes, it's really incredible. I mean, I love the way she describes the blossoming of her journey, right? How as a child, she was very emotionally intelligent. She was able to read people well and navigate social situations well. That led to moving into business because, I mean, I didn't even know that business is really about relationships. It's really about meeting people and building relationships and communication. So she had that natural skill set. And then her business acumen brought her into this world. So every step she's taken helped her on her journey to get to where she is now as a leader and a teacher with such integrity. I really feel that from her. It just yes. radiates off of her, right? Yes. Her intelligence, her integrity, her authenticity, her honesty, and that she's presenting information that is super woo. You know, if anybody heard our, our <laughs> woo episode, it's pretty wooey, but she's so grounded. You know, she's, yes. so, she's so well yes. educated in what she's talking about. That That's so really important, important. Yes. right? Like we think that, that, that that grounded aspect of this work and this journey is really important, right? You can't, you can't do this, you know, sort of work and connect cosmically and, and evolve spiritually without that grounded component. And, and I think that's what resonated for us so much when we saw her was, ah, yes, she's, she's so anchored and grounded here on earth in terms of, you know, what are we here to do in the physical, you know, to, to make change and evolve in really positive ways while evolving our understanding of this other part of ourselves. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things I appreciate about her. What you're just touching on is that she recognizes that, you know, we're not all supposed to do, what did she say? She gave us an example, uh, you know, just getting rid of everything you own and going into yeah. a day walk in the desert, right? Like not every, you don't, we don't have to do those big gigantic things. We have spiritual purpose in everything we do. Even if yes. you work at the stock market, you can make a spiritual yes. contribution to the environment of the stock market. So, you know, there's a reason for everything that exists in our lives. There's a reason for all the choices that we make. And there's a reason for why our paths unfold yes. the way that they do. So I love that she brings in this, um, this attitude of, you know, there's no need for, for, for feeling judgmental of yourself, feeling hard on yourself. You know, I should be at this level or I should be doing this. I should have accomplished this by now, spiritually or otherwise. She really emphasizes there's no point in feeling that way, that, you know, we're on our paths in this way for a reason. And we just have to be tuned into ourselves, grounded and in the flow. Yeah, except the humanness of the experience too, right? Yeah. And we can be galactic and cosmic and connect with our star races, but we're also human doing the human thing. And I think she like she really brings that to the table, which is awesome. And you know, I love how she she connects, you know, intuitively with the star races and you know through the Akashic records, but she also has this cool system on her phone where she gets out like the constellation map and starts to see which constellations are kind of popping and, and connecting in the moment, you know, that she's in with someone. And she did that with us in the interview and started to kind of, you know, give an example of that. And what was so interesting about that to me, and I'm curious what you think, Sinead, you know, she started talking about that feminine energy that was coming from Capella, I think. And, and, and then she started talking about this like energy around children and star children and teaching and and like helping the children and I just kept thinking about you in that moment 
I admit I was thinking about myself as well because uh, she's also saying that it was in the Vega star constellation and Vega is a star that I have a major connection with. Ah. Um, curious how our starseed yes. sessions are going to go with her. We're going to do starseed sessions together so that she can help us discover more about what our lineage is. And so I didn't want to say anything when she was saying that, but I thought yeah. like, me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, want, I didn't want to give it away either because she was also, you know, saying that, you know, some Orion energy was coming through, some Arcturian energy was coming through. I know I have, you know, a connection to both of those as well that yes. needs to be explored further. So yeah, it felt like we were both getting, you know, some some validation, you know, that we're supposed yeah. to be working with her on that. And oh, yeah, I thought that, that too, big time. And actually, just to let the audience know, we're probably we're going to see if we can record our co-star yeah. seed lineage session. Um, because if we can do that and share it with the audience, it would be amazing. If we're not able to do that, we'll just share it with the audience afterwards. Yeah. But we're going to be doing that session with Amanda and we're going to be bringing her back on as well because clearly she has so much to talk about and to contribute and we couldn't even get through half of it. So yes, yes. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much to talk about, even just around our ancient history and what she's learned about that through, you know, the Akashic records and intuitive sessions that she does. You know, we talked a little bit about Egypt, but there's so much more beyond that to explore. You know, she, I love how she talks about the different kind of personality traits, you know, of the star races and the different lineages. And that would be fun to talk about more because it is, it is cool how, you know, the different groups have different vibes, you know, and they bring a different kind of set of skills and, you know, wisdom to the table, you know, in the human form. And it's just so fascinating to uncover all of that. It really is. And I'm so grateful, you know, that we and our listeners are living in a time where we can access all of this information and use our own discernment and decide what works for us and what doesn't. But it's all there, you know, whereas Amanda was referencing even 20 years ago in the early 2000s, she wasn't able to talk to people about what she was experiencing right. going through, right? Yeah. And I, I certainly couldn't either. So it feels like we are living right now in this very potent time of connection and communication about all of these things and that it's like libraries are out there just waiting for us to walk into them. You know, there's yeah. all there for us to access. So it's yeah. very exciting to be able to provide this information to our audience and hear it ourselves as well. You know, it's really yeah. Yeah. It really is. I yeah, And I hope this episode is helpful for anyone out there who's listening, who feels like they've got that connection with star races, but is a little unsure about, you know, what it is and what it means and how to connect. And, you know, I think if, if you're ready to take that next step, you know, Amanda can be a great resource for you and um, can help you learn how to phone home. You know, she talks about it like making a phone call. <laughs> so yeah, it's like ET phone home. We're doing it now. So Amanda can help you with that. <laughs> That's so true. I love that you put it like that. She didn't say it like that, didn't she? She said yeah. it was helping people find home. Oh, yeah. that's Let's yeah. leave it on that note. That's a perfect yeah. note to leave it on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, with that, enjoy the episode and we'll see you on the other side. Yes, indeed. Don't forget to like and subscribe, share with your friends and tell us what you think of our content. We always want to hear from you. See you on the other side, everyone. We are very, very pleased to be here today with the lovely and remarkable Amanda Romania, who is here to talk with us about starseed lineage, ancient human origins, and a variety of other fascinating things that we mentioned during our introduction. So Amanda, we're so pleased to have you here today. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, ladies. It's absolutely wonderful. It's my pleasure. It's my joy. And hi to everyone that's tuning in out there. 
It's so good to be here with you. Thanks, Amanda. It's lovely. Yeah, we were we really have been looking forward to bringing you onto the show and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with our audience because we think you're something special and. I personally had a little experience with you, which you remember where uh, I was in Sedona a short time ago. I'm back in Toronto now, but I was at the Sedona Ascension Conference and you were one of the featured speakers. I was sitting right in the front row mm -hmm. and I just really loved your approach, your groundedness, um, how beautifully articulate you are in the way that you explain, the way that you communicate what you know. Because of course, it's one thing to know a lot. It's another thing to be able to share it, communicate it effectively with others. And you do that so beautifully. And just the experience that you've had and the way that you come across just really um, struck a chord of familiarity with me. So you probably remember that afterwards I came up to you and said, I think you're my person. I think you're <laughs> one of my people and I need to connect with you. I feel like I know you. So then we had a little meeting with Jenna at your shop in Sedona, which is amazing. You're going to talk a little bit about that, about your shop. And, uh, and here we are today because you've so generously agreed to be on our podcast. So we want to start by um, kind of going through a bit of a timeline for our audience as to how you got here, like how you ended up doing the work that you're doing now. So maybe you can start at the beginning and talk a bit about what you were like as a child and how you, you know, how did you end up on this path? How did you end up doing these things? What was it that brought you here? Wow. Oh, thank you, ladies. And yes, I do remember that um, you guys were in the crowd at the front. Mm -hmm. And when you're speaking on cosmic and things that aren't necessarily tangible subjects, seeing what I feel familiar faces and encouraging feminine faces out there is really engaging and supportable for me. So thank you so much. You actually helped me with that presentation. Okay. So where did I start? Oh my goodness, I'm in my 50s now. That is going back into certain timelines of the UK um, where I was originally born. And an only child living in what I would call a modest working class family. But what was interesting was I always had this emotional intelligence. And I thought I was just um, good with people. I was able to navigate through high school and through friends and just be very pleasant and, you know, but listening to the messages that I now call my intuition and my spiritual compass to kind of navigate that world because as a small female, um, we didn't have that many options or we weren't given that many opportunities. Right. And I found that when I started working with a company called Clark Shoes, that um, I was placed in the children's department and parents just trusted me with their children to fit their shoes, lift them up, put them down, talk to them. And now I see that this was all training, retail, communicating with children and adults and kind of intuitively knowing things. That was all training to where I am today in 2022. Mm -hmm. So I went the corporate route like most of us. And what I found was that in business, I really had this strong acumen for understanding the groundedness of business, but also the entrepreneurial spirit that could come with business. So I had both worlds. I was tangible and intangible. So that's how I navigated through management programs, through university programs, and then I found that that wasn't quite enough. 
Mm. I'd reached a point in my life where something was just missing and I wanted kind of my soul and my spirit to evolve. Mm. And that took me then to a place called Glastonbury. And that took me on a spiritual motivated path. And where were you? Were you in your 30s? Were you in your 20s or 40s? I was in my mid 30s. Um, I was in my mid 30s. I'd had a near death experience um, when in 1994, um, I'd lost the child that I was carrying in a very kind of traumatic, dramatic way. And um, I was kind of in that experience where they're looking going, if we don't see to her now and sort this, this feminine um, birthing, I guess you'd describe it. Um, it was not a miscarriage. It wasn't quite a full stillbirth, but at the same time, I had to go through that rebirthing um, episode, which I know a lot of people that have gone through that. Um, it touches your heart and it really speaks to your soul. Mm. And yeah, they lost me for a couple of minutes. And when I came back, it was as if, okay, um, what's changed? There's something different in this world. Mm. So I came back with then some psychic insight. And for a few weeks, I completely lost myself. Mm. And they said it was just um, a kind of depression mm. and you'll come out of it. Mm. And then I went back to work. And, and then in 96, I did have um, a successful pregnancy. I had my daughter. Mm. And what I've come to understand now is that women, when they're in pregnancy and just after childbirth, you're in that creation space. So your psychic senses are totally, totally open. Right. And then on top of that, having a near death experience, it was as if I went from zero to 90. Oh, wow. And that was um, where I started trying to make sense of myself because messages were coming. I was what I call seeing people, seeing energies, but I didn't have the language skills to explain it or to articulate it. Had you, had you been raised in a spiritual environment or were you raised in a, a fairly agnostic environment? So here's the thing. When I came to the United States, everyone had very clear lines on religions. And they would say to me, so what religion are you? And I would say, I'm not sure. We would go to the church and it would be Sunday school and I would get stamps from the Jesus stories. So the Jesus and Bible stories that we were taught were a little like Disney narratives mm. and how beautiful it was and how the angel came. And it was a and the nativity that we would be taught at Christmas. Right. Church wasn't you have to do this, do that, or there was no punishment. So I grew up in a very open, uh, I guess, community where religion, well, it's somewhere nice that you go on a Sunday. And this is how it didn't kind of hold me back. Ah. And I could see that religion was a wonderful thing when delivered in a certain way. Ah, so yeah. that was where my childhood influence was. You know, Jesus was never someone that was really displayed on a cross. Jesus was someone that helped children. It helped animals, gave beautiful messages. Right. And that's how I, I grew up. Okay. Okay. So when you had this big life experience, the rebirth experience, you were in a place where you could be open to something more kind of coming through for you. 
Well, here was the interesting thing. There was nobody to talk about oh. this with. I was, well, where do I go? What do I do? And there was one lady, um, American teacher who taught about angels. Mm -hmm. And she was teaching a workshop in Glastonbury in England. And Glastonbury, if you've ever been, it's um, it's like a, they call it the Tor. It's a sacred hill with a labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And it's actually where the ley lines meet mm -hmm. and where we have the Merlin legends, Guinevere, the Avalon, King Arthur. So it's, and dragons, it's a very magical place. Mm -hmm. So I decided I would go there. And I would do a retreat for, um, what was it, four days. And when I went, there was this elderly lady and we had soup and we talked and I told her about my experiences and my past. She explained it was past lives, but I didn't have any idea who she was because it was just her and I. And basically I learned that she would become my mentor and teacher, a lady called Isis. And she took groups to Egypt. And therefore, by this time, I had my own retail corporate business. But every month, I was doing the four-hour journey to Glastonbury. Um, and that's where every weekend I was taking a workshop, going to the events, training with the angel lady. And everyone would say to me, why are you investing so much time and money into this? And... I just couldn't explain. I just said, I, I don't know. I just, this is what I have to do. Mm. This is what I have to do. And luckily I had an amazing, I call it a temple now, um, which was a group of women that worked with me that supported the retail establishment that we had. And now I see again, that was a past life of where we'd all work together mm. and that I would go on the pilgrimages. And some mm. people came into my world that, kind of understood but at the same time um there was very few people at that time i'm talking the early 2000s that you could reach and you could have a conversation with right it's interesting how dramatically it's changed over the last you know 20 plus years it's really this community has just i, I don't know if exploded is the word for it because i feel like there were all these people who like yourself like myself and jenna also who were kind of keeping things on the down low you know our experiences mm -hmm. We didn't feel able to be open about them because in the in in the mainstream culture society, regardless of where you are, I think it's just not the easiest conversation to have. You can't just bring these things up. You know, people no. need to have something of a foundation to be able to understand. But yeah. it's also fascinating how many people all over the world have been. It's as if everyone's been waiting for this time. You know, there's been tons yeah. of people just keeping their experiences and their stories to themselves. And then this time has started and now it's all just coming out of the woodwork. And you're seeing that a lot at your shop in Sedona, aren't you? We're seeing that a great deal. Um, we've seen because one of the things that I started to focus on was the Akashic Records. Um, when I was thinking, because I'm an Aries with Aquarius rising, so I have to have everything grounded. So where is all this information coming from? And I realized a lot of it was stored in the Akashic records. Mm -hmm. And there is something of a timeline jump in probably the last five, six years that has opened up these, what I call new record houses or new aspects of your library or new databases on your computer, which is within you. Mm -hmm. And it's 
okay, you know this, you remember this. And now we have a lot of networks and TV shows that people talk about this. So people are learning the language. I think the biggest barrier that we've had has been actually the language skill. Agree. Because people didn't quite know what to say or how to say it. Um, one of my first ever things of looking at that was back in kind of 2008. And I'd finished my MBA program in business. Um, I was going into doing a business doctorate program. And I started listening to interviews with people such as Steve Jobs and um, Louise Hay, and they were saying similar language. Louise Hay is over here in the metaphysical spiritual community. Steve Jobs is over here in the corporate business. Then I started listening to things by Estee Lauder and other CEOs and business founders that were very similar to people that I'd encountered in the spiritual world. One of the ladies that I'd met and spent some time with was a lady called Anita Roddick. And Anita founded The Body Shop. Mm -hmm. And she was very much an advocate of spiritual business. But because she'd reached that level, people accepted it from her. But there was this disconnect where the CEOs were talking about, it's my sole purpose. I felt an angel came to me. I just had this awakening and I'm thinking they're using spiritual words. Yeah. And when I brought that to the spiritual community and said to my professors, I want to study this. I want to study this. And they said, no, 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 that's religion. Go to theological areas, um, go to the religion departments. And that's where I had to make what I call the final cut through from corporate. No one's going to understand the language, but until I can get out there and start talking the language and explaining that to people, then perhaps we have a chance. Mm -hmm. That feels so familiar. That feels so familiar, I think, for both of us, right? Because we also were in this corporate world or, yes. you know, a more structured system, right? Where we're working, where, you know, we've had similar experiences, these mystical experiences, ET contact experiences, but yet how do you, how do you integrate that in that environment, right? When there is this, you know, very uh, kind of almost dogmatic approach to separation of church and state and that's you know in place for good reason but it makes it difficult right to to even have these conversations openly you know with people yes. we might be around how did you make that that leap though from from you know leaving this very kind of structured secure kind of corporate path to saying I'm going to give that up and take this risk into a whole new arena like what was that transition like for you well, it was kind of a transition where I was moving over to the United States and I came to Sedona and I lived a little bit in California, but no one, again, no one was speaking my language. And then I came to Sedona and really Sedona is a spiritual university. So as Glastonbury was a spiritual university and other places I'd been, Sedona had the full campus. So everyone talked in chakra language and people spoke in energy frequencies and how they were feeling and how they were engaging but at the same time we have banks restaurants roads normal businesses 
Mm -hmm. And therefore, what I started to see was this was a place that I could develop and I could thrive. So I thought I was only coming perhaps for a year, two years. Um, and I took a job in a crystal shop. Nobody knew me. And I did what I call my Sedona service. And I learned how to navigate 30 Chinese guests through the aura photography and work with people that had never had a crystal in their hands mm -hmm. to a crystal practitioner that wanted this, 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 because she was building a grid that was connecting to an Atlantean temple. So I had to navigate and learn how to talk to all of these different levels. Yeah. And that was very easy for me. Very mm -hmm. easy that I was very comfortable because it was the same as somebody coming and saying, I need a pair of shoes that are comfortable for walking. I need a pair of shoes for my child. They have their insteppers moving in and they need something to correct their walking at this time. I could navigate both of those needs. Mm -hmm. So I just applied my technique into the spiritual community. Wow. And... And I did my service. I learned how to clean the bathrooms. And people would say to me, but you do readings and you've written books. And I'd say, none of that matters. I'm learning from the base up. I have to get a foundation. And by the end of 2013, I had my home. Um, by 14, I'd started working in the Atlantis that I have now shop with um, and gallery with a gentleman called Brian DeFlores. And it was about this kind of time, April, May, we had some fires um, in Sedona. And he said to me, what are the fires about? And I said, well, it's the dragons. They're coming down. They're rebirthing in the Sedona area. It just won't come out. And he said, you know about dragons? And I said, of course I do. And he said, well, will you teach with me? And I said, sure. And boom, before I knew it, there I was in front of his group, which was you know, two, 300 people he would have on the phone and in um, the conference center. And I was off and I was on my way and bit wow. by bit by bit. And that was, I call nine years ago now. Wow. And now you're the owner of the Atlantis Metaphysical Center here in Sedona, yes. which yes. is a physical shop that people it can is. maybe describe it a is. little bit about what you do in the shop with people. So originally, um, those of you might, people always say, I remember I came to see you. We had a large gallery, big um, gallery room and some therapy rooms. And it was all about the immersion and the experience. We would have accelerator art, which was um, images, crystals, statues, everything to stimulate the conversation. So people would come in and they would say, I'm from the Pallades, I'm an angel. I'm Archangel Michael and dealing with that on an everyday basis um, with observation respect of where that person is that just became the normal having a fifth dimensional conversation and what I found though was that I wasn't necessarily able to do the one-to-one -one work because now a lot of my work is working with the teachers um, the therapists helping them to help more people. That's where it's been able to reach that. So in 2017, um, things became very difficult and strange at that location. 
and that's where you have to choose and trust your intuition. Um, I didn't want to let it go. I've got this beautiful 3000 square feet center in Sedona. Your ego tells you, you need to get to that level. Mm. But it wasn't um, satisfying. It was draining at that point. And I wasn't fulfilling my next level potential. So handed back the keys as I'd done with my shoe shops, handed back the keys, took a risk and took all of my things and my Stargate and all of my tools back to my home. And a few months later in 2017, my um, realtor, she called me because luckily realtors work in the fifth dimension here in Sedona. They understand about the energies and who's coming and who's going. And right. she said, they're selling units in this certain place. Um, it's on a ley line. You might want to come and see. So I went and I bought, it's, it's um, a condo, as you would describe an office. And we were able to put some therapy rooms and then create a shopping environment that you guys, um, you ladies came and visited. But it's when people walk in, it's like they go, oh, I've seen this. I had a dream. I'm drawn to this. So we're really activating their senses yeah. without having big signs. And this is what this will do for you. Um, this will heal you and clear you and sort your relationships out. We're in experience of, I feel drawn to that. And my heart feels a little like it's healing. Mm -hmm. Oh, my third eye is tingling. Oh, I think my Reiki cords just dropped in. Yeah. I'm yeah. having a past life. So it's getting people comfortable using that language rather than us telling them what they should be thinking and feeling. Yes. So we we kind of flipped it with that. And then we put a healing room and my reader room that I do the sessions and the teachings in, very much like the room that you're seeing me in now. And that was 17. And so therefore, when the pandemic came, we'd switched on to Zoom. We'd switched on to visiting and we were COVID proof. So that was the biggest way that we've shifted in the last couple of months mm -hmm. of engaging with people, but also following the directives of the energies around us. Yes, I mean, it, it doesn't really, we know that because of the way energy works, it doesn't really have to be in person. I find that it's helpful if it's in person, but energy does not have boundaries and we can feel it right now with each other through the screen, right? So um, yeah, the work can be done from, from, well, Reiki talks about that, you know, how Reiki can be sent over quite a yeah. distance, uh, the yeah. same kind of concept. I think that's one that people who are listening would be more familiar with. Yes. When you're doing your Akashic record work and your starseed lineage work with people, mm -hmm. how does that go? Like, do people people are coming in and asking for an appointment uh, for an Akashic record reading or star seeds lineage reading. What is the difference in the, their experiences of what those sessions would be like? Like what do you do in those sessions? So what I found was sometimes it's very difficult to kind of, again, list all of the sessions with bit by bit by bit, as if it was, a, um, you know, like a massage treatment. We're going to use this and that in using the protocol. When we kind of tried to list it step by step, it didn't quite often go to plan because everyone's soul is different. People are all at different levels. So I adopted again another business idea of think of yourself as an attorney. Someone is coming in to look at 
their contracts. You don't quite know how long that's going to last or what contracts they need to look at. Some of them may be more in depth. Some of them may be with international corporations, which would be like the cosmic. Mm -hmm. So again, thinking with my little business head, well, what would that look like? Sometimes it can be a 30 minute, a 90 minute, or even a three hour split program over a couple of weeks. My main thing is to work with your records to heal, clear, or gain clarity of the situation that you're dealing with right now, because that's the timeline we're on. Mm -hmm. And different people have different curiosities. So I'll often start with um, a blank piece of paper and I'll write their name, maybe some numerology, astrology down. And then it's, this is like my left brain because I'm left-handed taking it in while my right brain is kind of scanning and images, timelines, um, words, colors, they'll all start coming in. I've got a photographic memory. Mm. So this is how I'm able to navigate so much in such a little time. Mm -hmm. And then I will always, always, and this is something I always teach my students, my mastery students, look at the person's intention. Otherwise we can sit like a mystic and I'm telling you about your lives as a Templar Knight and oh and you went to France and you did this and you died and then this happened some would say that's probably entertainment how is that actually helping that person in front of me what I prefer to be doing is saying okay you have these Templar night contracts where you have always been a spiritual warrior a protector um, an advocate for change so let's shift that let go of the past and move that into part of your soul program right now. How's that going to look? And all of a sudden, they've got something that they can work with, that they can let go of, the past, the grieving, and actually bring it front and center. That's going to help their ascension journey. That's beautiful. I love, so that, that, I love that approach. That's so important, right? To focus yeah. on healing the past. Yeah. Yes. So you heal it. Okay. We need some clearing to do. And we work with the frequency of observation rather than going into it and living. So it's very rare that I will say, okay, and your name was, and your family was, because what that's doing is it's looping them fully back into that record when they should be looking at it almost like a Wikipedia. It's like, okay, um, uh, Templar Knights, oh, this, 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 this happened. Oh, perhaps that was what my dream was about. What am I caught in? What am I stuck in? Okay, let's heal and clear that now. I obviously, as a Templar Knight, had some great aspects. What can I bring forward with that? Yeah. And then I apply that to um, their past lives, their cosmic lives, the different record houses. Um, you might be from one of the galactic houses and you might be here on Earth thinking, oh, well, what am I here to do? Okay, let's go look. Where are you from? Who were you? What kind of energy? did you bring forward? What is your family about? Um, what are you gonna help people with? Why are you here at this time? That's the information I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. Janae, this, is getting, this is getting me so excited for our session with Amanda. <laughs> I'm excited too. No, no, that is so fascinating, Amanda, because it, you know, 
as I'm hearing you describe that, what's coming up in my mind is the contrast of the mapping, because it feels like you're helping them map out their, you know, their sole purpose in this life. They're, they're, they're looking at all the maps of where they traveled before to use that, use that metaphor. And then that kind of helps them understand where they are now. And then they can remap or get to know their own map right now better. And it's in such contrast to the mapping that we're given in our society and culture mainstream you know, in the mainstream way where you should do this, you're supposed to do that. And it's all within the same parameters of, you know, in any given culture or society of what normal is and what is okay and what is not okay. So there's immediately all this language of judgment and shame and kind of, you know, the shoulds and the shouldn'ts. And it's a very rigid way of looking at how to be successful and happy in life. Because of mm -hmm. course, that mapping is supposed to make us successful and happy and really doesn't. Sometimes successful, yes, sometimes happy, but it's not a lasting sense that we have in life when we follow that kind of 3D map. And so you're providing such a different way of approaching a sense of self, a sense of you know consciousness, understanding consciousness, approaching one's life, seeing other people's lives, seeing how the world is working. There's a, there's a cosmology involved in what you're doing that is so beautiful. And I'm really appreciating that. And I want to verbalize that for the audience because we're talking about so many different things right now that are quite high level, you know, we're talking about NDEs, mm -hmm. we're talking about frequencies and energy. And mm -hmm. while the three of us are comfortable with that kind of language, it's not something that everyone else is talking about right now. So you're providing this vocabulary to people and a way for them to remap their lives and change perspective on themselves, which is really something. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I love that thought of the remapping because it's a, that is such an amazing point. Um, we come in with these original maps which are our Akashic records. Yeah. And then through our childhoods, our experiences, you're absolutely so correct. There's these remapping programs and there's these remapping programs that have gone on in past lives. Mm -hmm. And what people are looking for now is that higher evolved version of themselves. And they're trying to remember. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, they'll hear someone speaking in the light language, like the toning, and they remember but they just don't know what it means, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I have a lot of students that reach out and they go, I, I recorded this on the audio or I, I drew this glyph or star map. And within that, they are kind of looking at these things, go, what do I do with this? What does this mean? So by going into their records, we can start to make those loops and connections so that they can start bringing it through in a more grounded way. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want lost people floating around, yeah. not making the most of this lifetime. This exactly. lifetime is such an important lifetime for people. Exactly. There's so many people here to support the healing of the planet and, and to, to help our civilization move to that next level and to, to evolve and ascend in that way. So that's so, so, so important that you're providing that, that service for people. And yet we, in shamanic work, call it like a mythic map, you know, like, like a map of your soul and creating this new mythic journey, you know, for oh, your to learn more about all of those pieces that come together. I, I'm super curious how people, access their memories of star lineages 
you know, I've had some of my own experiences with that, but what's that like for you when you're in that moment with a client, are they remembering their star lineage with you in the session, or is it you accessing, you know, that record for them? What's that process like? So the cosmic journey was a very um, interesting one that I did not expect. When I was working in Egypt, it was around 2007, and we were used to taking 50 people to Egypt. Um, I was the um, tour, spiritual tour guide, so my teacher would do the group and I would do the individual. And it was all clearing the records from the pharaohs, the pyramids, activating in the great pyramids. And then one journey, we had a smaller group and they wanted to know about the galactic origins. So we kind of did, started this sorting. Who feels they're connected to the Syrians, the Palladians, the Andromedans? But again, we only kind of knew four or five different races at that time, the language skills, nobody really understood what was up there apart from the key constellations and the key planets. And I was in Abydos Temple, which is the temple to Osiris. And in Abydos, they have seven shrines. And I went into this middle shrine and they call them false doorways. And they're like stone walls with portals to other worlds. And it was as if I just fell. And I just felt this overwhelming energy come through me. And it was as if these star people started to come through and look at me. And I'm thinking, these aren't ancient ones. These aren't the people that I know. Um, this isn't Anubis and Isis. Um, and they were, this is your star family. And from that point, I felt this warmth, this connection, and I was never alone again. So as I continued my journey, stoppings came in sometimes, but it wasn't until I got to Sedona that I started to really understand the different races, different stars, and every so often a different one would come and work with me. And that's when I wrote Akashic Cosmic Connection, which I think has, um, that has, I think, 18 different races in it. Um, where I do a kind of a channeling of this is their message, this is who they are, and this is how you meditate to connect back. So I was creating a phone call system. I love that. <laughs> and now in my cosmic program, I think I have about 22 races we we present. But with everybody, then they will say, well, I don't know my race. Um, and my job is then to take them in a meditation or regression and take them where their race can come through. So often we're looking for the name, we're looking for the tangibility. Right. And I will say to them, no, let's just get you home. Let's just help you feel mm -hmm. home. Yeah. And they will go, oh my gosh, and they're there and um, they're androgynous and they're green and they're this, and we have them speak on a various different aspect. Um, and that's how getting that one-to-one -one connection. In a session, I might um, channel through and say, okay, I'm feeling the Octorians so strong here. And they will say, oh my gosh, I started reading about them and I, I connected. So I'm confirming that they've already had that galactic contact. Mm 
So each person's different. So if I'm checking on who everybody is working with today, let's have a little look, see who we've got in the house today. And we have, okay, we have got, there we go, straight away, Octorus is coming through this line here, right under the computer. Now, who else wants to come through? Let's have a little look. And what I'm looking for is flashing. Uh, we have a Capella up here. Um, we have Mercury Communication. And then the Palladians are showing up flashing on my phone with the Orions under here. So that's how I kind of track what energies are going on. So it's a little bit like, okay, what satellites are lighting up? I love and these that. are the ones that are connecting. So I've got my Palladian and Orion friends here, my Octorian friends here. I've got Capella over here. I'm not quite sure who she is, but I'm going to possibly go and then look up at that. Or if I was working with the client, I might tune in, find out some more information about why she's there, what color she represents and how she wants to work with my student or my client. Um, and then I might just do, let's have a little look. She's a new one and she wants to work with us. What's her information? Um, okay, so she is one of the brightest stars with Arcturus and Vega. Oh. So, and what's interesting, Capella means she goat. So it's a she energy. Okay. So all of a sudden, this is a divine feminine presence. Um, and it's called the kids, like the kids as in the sheep, but it's the children. So she's telling me straight away, this star wants to work with the healers of Arcturus, the Vega constellation of um, divine feminine. And I already know that Vega is working with the new children. And this one wants to be seen as a connection with that, with the kids, which is another film for the children. This is how my brain articulates it. So all of a sudden, now I have a new star race that wants to work with us. I'll make a note, put it into the vault of my information. And then when my next few people come through, they may be saying, I've got crystal children or I work in a school or I'm expecting a new baby. And I'm like, OK, I've got the star for you. Right. And straight away there, we've got it through. And that's brand new information that nobody else I know is talking about. Because people are still talking about the original yes. races. Yes, yes. And this is how I get my new information. And this is why they're comfortable with me. Um, which is why when I go to conferences, I'll say, okay, we got uh, Palladians in the front row. They're good students writing the notes. Orions are in and out the doors. They can't sit still. Um, our Syrian friends are like, mm, is she telling the truth? I just don't know. Um, so this is how I've been able to bring it where it's comfortable for people. I love that. It's like, like you can sense all these personality traits as you start yes. to, yeah, learn about the connections people have with the star lineages. That is so cool. That is this so cool. Cultures here. I mean, we still do have, we can't really 
you know, you're not supposed to make blanket statements about people or cultures, but at the same time, there are things that bond us together when we exist in the same culture, we exist in the same society. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of that, you know, why can't that same concept exist in a different way when we're trying to translate the cosmos? We really are cosmic beings, not just earthlings, and we need to expand our understanding. So the way you do that is so wonderful. I love that you're leading them natural through a natural progress and an instinctive, um, process not progress process of finding this out and mapping with them it's almost like you're facilitating you're facilitating several different presences in the room at the same time while you're trying and to it's, deliver clarity to your client and it's comfortable for them um i think this goes back to probably my past lives in possibly um well totally in atlantis but mostly in egypt um when i go into the tombs in the Valley of the Kings or Queens, there are all these different images of the various different gods and goddesses. Mm -hmm. And I never feel that I have to go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's like, oh, these are my friends. And this is, I work with you and I connect with you. And I believe that's how we were in ancient times. Uh, We were an embodiment of the various gods and goddesses we were attuned and we worked for. So if you were attuned and you worked for Isis, if you were tuned when worked for Sekhmet, the lioness goddess, um, she worked with healing, but also she was, I guess, like the Kali energy of her day. Yeah. And then you worked with Hathor. She was gentle, love and beauty and feminine grace. And the priestesses that were tuned with these various goddesses would have embodied those behaviors. So these are your friends. And these goddesses came from the outer regions. Um, Many say they came from Sirius, but I think most of them did. But I think they came from other civilizations in the cosmos as well. But it would have been like us three meeting going, okay, um, what's going on in your tribe? And what's going on with you guys? And we would have all had different aspects to share and things that could complement. And I'm... I'm not sure how I, I'm moving with what I call the labeling, because um, I know in society at the moment, people don't necessarily like that. Yeah. Um, but it's one way of understanding behaviors and cultures. And the only way I would say is think of it like the archetypes. Mm. Um, I think Carolyn Mace did an amazing job with her archetypes, the light and the shadow. And that's why I modeled my cosmic teachings a little bit on that. Mm. because yeah because you can be born through it you can be on mission with it um i teach in china every week i via zoom i teach in beijing and i teach cosmic and i have to work my words my thoughts in a different way to work with their culture when i'm working with the europeans it's different when i'm working with the americans it's different um and that's just i think that that's just normal behavior because it's, it's respectful of the people that you're working with. Yeah. If you honor their gifts and where they're at. Yeah, yeah. I, love that. I love that approach. I have a question for you about your time in Egypt and what you know about our ancient history there, because I had an experience recently, and Sinead and I haven't even had a chance to talk about this yet, but I did a shamanic journey where I went into a chamber of secrets and I was not sure what I was going to find there. And I found myself in the Great Pyramid 
And I found myself going into the sarcophagus that's in the king's chamber and the lid was shut, then the lid was removed. And when the lid was removed, I was in a different pyramid on what appeared and felt like to be a different planet. And there were star beings there. And it felt like a connection with my star family. It felt like I was meeting, you know, these other like aspects of myself. And, and it felt like some sort of stargate thing. Like, do you, and I guess my question is, what do you know about our ancient technology in Egypt? And do you think what that experience was for me was maybe an ancient memory coming through about stargate? technology that's absolutely what it was and i'm going to show you okay. i'm going to show you what it was and that um our audience can kind of see so um let me just see if i can get into um into some of these things the chamber you're talking about is this chamber here that's the sarcophagus in the king's chamber it's actually a stargate and when I was recently there, I was just about to climb in. Can you see the green line? Yeah. Okay. This is kind of the energies and the frequencies that they've recorded going through there. And just on a, another point, that was me when I came out. You can see I've got arms. And now I haven't got any. <gasps> oh, wow. Wow. So... To give you the back story of that, um, there's so many legends and connections with the Great Pyramid. Who built it? When was it built? If you shift all of that out and then think, what was this for? The ancient Egyptians didn't believe in death. They believed in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So the mummy would be prepared. And then if you go to the Valley of the Kings, they have stars on all the, the tops of the tombs and the shrines. So the Egyptians believed that if you prepared, which was your ascension path, that you could then go to join your family and your starseed lineage in the stars. Mm -hmm. And the kings that built the pyramids, they had that same belief. So when I did visit many of the pyramids, they have these inner chambers, and then you come up and there's stairwells within that, and this great pyramid has a chamber called the King's Chamber. It's aligned to various star constellations. It's set to a very distinctive sacred geometry. There's sand, heat, air, and movement, which means that the electrical life force of the body can connect or the soul of astral travel can come out and bilocate to somewhere else. I just got chills as you were saying all of that. <laughs> So for many years, when we lay in that, and I'll show you about the size of it so you can physically see that. Um, have we got, yeah. So there, when you're laying in this chamber, in this sarcophagus, what then happens is, if you have the, what we call the gifts and the grades or the keys, you can bilocate that person and they would go out. And one of the initiations of that king's chamber in the ancient realms and this is one of the mystery schools that um, Alexander the Great knew, Jesus knew, various ones that were evolved as masters knew. Mm -hmm. You'd be placed in the sarcophagus, the lid would go on, 
you would lower your breathing and your life force to a certain level. They would do the chancel, as I call, like I do, switching the lights on and off. Um, and then you would go out, bilocate to wherever you needed to go. And mostly people go back to their home star of origin. And then when the time came, your life force and soul would come back to your body. This was ancient technology, but it's also future technology. It's galactic technology. Yeah. So that's what that was used for. So it wasn't that the king's body was placed in that. They would have buried him in a certain place, but then there would have been chambers, and there's so many chambers under the Great Pyramids, mm -hmm. um, that his soul would have found its way under to the basement. He would have faced the gateways of the seven chambers, the gods, the goddess Matt, who has the feather on the top of her head. Is his soul worthy to pass? Yes. Okay, so he'll go up and all the priests, everybody be very active and his soul would ascend and boof, off he goes home. So now you have that, that you can go in and therefore, if you meditated on that, yeah. you'd be able to bilocate to other places as those doorways open. Wow. Yeah. Word of warning, always make a contract to come back. Mm. Always make a contract to come back. But yes, that's exactly how that initiation worked. And if anyone's listening out there, no, we haven't had this conversation. No. <laughs> uh, it's kind of really off the cuff. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing wow. that, Jenna. Yeah, that, that's thank what you. it was. That's how it happens. Cool. Wow. Thank you for validating that. That was the sense that I got. You know, it was just this very impromptu vision that came through. Wow. That's so cool. I'm sure there's people listening that can relate as well. I mean, again, you know, part of the reason that we wanted to start this podcast and share information like this is because there are so many people out there who are having all kinds of visions, yes. dreams, unusual experiences, and they don't know where to put them, what to do yes. with them, how to talk about them, if they're real or not. So yes. we want to really help people, you know, by presenting um, wisdom and knowledge such as yours, Amanda, that, you know, this is real, that there mm -hmm. are, that the reality that we think is reality is not reality. It's one level of our multi-dimensional reality and that we are cosmic beings. And, you know, all the knowledge that is, a, um, is exists already in fields of science and medicine and you know physics and so on are meeting what many people have been saying for eons and eons now those that those two seemingly totally separate schools of knowledge and thought are intersecting and validating each other right that's one of the reasons that this time is so amazing so to hear you talking about this um, these ancient technologies that we're able to utilize now in the existing day is you know, something I think people really need to hear that power is not gone, it's not lost, it's not in the past. It's something that is eternal power that we can always utilize and do it in different ways. We can keep growing in our understanding of how to do that. And you are providing that training for people too, aren't you? Because mm -hmm. I think when yes. you have these sessions with people, it's not just a one-off, you're continuing a relationship with them and you keep guiding them along the way. Yeah, what I've seen is um, sometimes people will just come in, have the experience, the information. And what I've learned is that I don't create because of karma. I don't create these lock in of, OK, you have to train with me for three years or you have to come in through this and you have to do with that. I'm very much what we call when you feel it and you need it. 
but I do find the people that do their research, do the work, keep motivating their spiritual journey. These are the people that are having these very extraordinary lives. Mm -hmm. um, and they're really manifesting what we call like a heaven on earth because they're showing up and doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, I've done now, um, I think I did my 19th journey to Egypt. Um, 23 times in that great pyramid on private visits uh, because sometimes on a visit we would go in twice um, so really I did the work I put the effort in I paid the money out but it's nothing to do with the manifestation of the abundance or what did you get from it it's I had this very valuable experience that helped my soul mm. and I invested in my soul so I invested in myself and now I just can't even think of what my life would be like if I hadn't have done that. But yes, at the time, did I think, you know, I was crazy. People thought I was crazy. Um, or they were more amused, I think. Yeah. Um, because at the same time, I could say, well, yeah, I go to Durham University. Yeah, I'm in doctorate school. And they would look at me and go, how <laughs> does she? And I go, well, you know, I just have an aptitude for both. Uh -huh. But my main thing is bringing credibility for this craft. Yes. Um, and this is why um, I have people from all walks of life. And with a lot of people that are in those journeys, in corporate, running their own businesses, teaching in schools, academics, this is a great way for them to enhance their work they we used to have that in um, Glastonbury people would come from London in professional um, legal and um, all these different trades and they would say um, I think I want to train in Reiki and be a healer and I would say well that's great but I need you over in London making a difference in the stock exchange at the moment please mm -hmm. I need you in the high courts so yes we'll teach you all the healing and the metaphysics but can we merge that so that you can actually send Reiki healing out through mm -hmm. your organization. So by being able to merge the two and give a credible study to it, I think is really making a difference in the world. Wow, I um, love that. Uh, wow. I think that's such an important message. You know, I love what you said about investing in your soul and mm -hmm. thinking about it that way that all of the work that we do, spiritual practice, you know, finding teachers, engaging, you know, in these conversations, like that's investing in your your soul and and I love what you talk about around integrating this knowledge and our spiritual energy and our spiritual practice with our the rest of our culture and with the rest of you know our systems because that's how we change the world right that's how we go out and we make a big change and and create heaven on earth for everyone and so I yes. think that's such an important message and I'm curious you know since we are at this time where people are waking up people are accessing more of their ancient memories you know more future memories are coming to mm -hmm. us that we can activate on you know, what are, I guess, some tips or tools or practices you would um, advise people to engage in to help activate those memories, to help them, you know, advance in a way where they can have, you know, some of the, these experiences? So what I often will say to people is it's about kind of taking stock of where you are. 
um, looking at key elements of where you are in your life, um, if there's things that you wish to manifest that would be better. And the thing is the, what your soul is searching for and uh, what would enhance and help your journey. Sometimes we're so caught up in, well, if I just had more money, if I had a better home, if I had a better relationship and we've got to just go, okay, this is where we're at. This is who you are. And it always can start with a book it can start with an oracle deck of cards. And what you're inviting is spiritual practice every day. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I will say to people, you don't need any more crystals necessarily or any more books, but please read what you've got. Yeah. And, you know, you may want to take yourself into um, a meditation once every so often or do some what I call due diligence in your life and open up to these aspects and that. not and not necessarily get lost in um oh i have to go and give up everything and walk in the desert for 30 days um it's not like that or if i have this um spiritual journey this will change my life no it becomes a way of life it becomes a ritual and not being so hard on yourself um here in sedona we do our session work. We are always in creation mode. Yes. Um, we maybe go work, walk in nature or we go to see a movie or we go to lunch or coffee with friends. And it doesn't have to be this lack of in life. It just has to be a new perspective on life that's really bringing joy from your heart everywhere else. And sometimes it's the little things that count um following the astrology at the moment is very important because these are times of change and we've had these times of change in ancient times the americas um united states is going through the timeline of 1774 till 1776 in the akashic records that's come up for healing and also from the 1920s because we're between those world war one and world war two energies where people around the world are nervous with this. Yeah. And therefore it's the same astrological patterns. It's the same galactic energies that are beaming down on us. And it's a choice point. Mm -hmm. So sometimes trying to look and go, okay, well, this has happened before. Um, where was I? Who was I? Um, and always, always keeping a journal that you can just write key points down that becomes a journal or a spiritual memoir for you. Everybody asks me, I think I meant to write a book. And I'll say, of course you are. And you're writing a book as you're living this experience. Oh, um, so make that book count. Um, you know, what does the hero or heroine do in this book? Mm. Um, mm. You know, so. And, and it's still is, always choose your own adventure, right? The next yeah. chapter can be written any way that you choose it to be written. And I love you're addressing that as well. You're talking about choice and you're talking about energy and manifestation, right? So you were mentioning yeah. stock exchange earlier. The stock exchange is something that we would think would be, it feels, and the impression we have is that it's completely separate from everything we're talking about right now. But we know that the stock exchange or Steve Jobs's company or anything else, it's a manifestation of energy. They are all manifestations of a certain kind of energy that is created by collective intention, right? Of the people that yes. are there. 
So you can you can apply that energy in any way in your life at any time. And I really love that you are helping people understand that because we live in a bit of a victim mentality, don't we? Right. That's kind of what we're taught. Um, yeah, because where we've come to is we know that in somewhere within us, there is something greater, something more. Yes. So when we don't necessarily have that or see that or feel that, then we go into this, well, what's wrong with this? What's happening with that? In the Akashic records and in the astrology charts, I'll often look for where people have this, it's called Chiron, um, C-H-I-R-O-N. Where does that sit in your astrology wheel of fortune, I call it? Mm. It's your wounded healer, your wounded warrior. And that's one of the things that we've come to heal. And mine actually sits in the first house. I'm not astrology enough that I know on the degrees, but I know that because it's there, I've come to heal my wounds. I've come to be the healer that I want to be. So in that way, it gives me some direction. But that's what we're dealing with. The victim is that shadow aspect of where that Chiron sits. Yeah. And that's what we've come in this lifetime to heal for ourselves. And then we heal it with others. Um, I'll often say to people, look, it's enough that you put your spiritual oxygen mask on yourself. If you can do it for yourself, then do it for someone else. Yes. Um, it's like the airline when they say fit your own mask <laughs> before helping others. Yes. Yes. It starts with us. <laughs> it starts with us. And yeah, I'll, I'll say to people, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, we have them on the Egypt trips. I take groups normally every year. I think we'll be starting back in 23. And they'll say, okay, do I have to have a special diet? Do I have to just go on water all day? Do I have to, you know, do all these? And I'm like, no, it's enough that you're there. Mm. We're going to nourish you with lentil soup, French fries, hot chocolate, all the grounding foods <laughs> um, that we can. Because if we feed you on like a breatharian or just on water, you're going to fly away. The energy's too high. Yeah. And they look and go, so it's like a holiday. It's like a holiday. It's just spiritual. <laughs> oh my gosh. And because we're then able to blend those worlds um it's not about the lack of yeah. it's about something more and greater mm -hmm. and yeah I just love seeing people flourish with that warm sunshine and oh my gosh I'm so excited this came for me today that came for me today because they're in this um abundant flow mm, that sounds other than that lack that sounds like such a beautiful balance because we do get caught up in this idea that we're supposed to be this perfect spiritual being, which means we have to abstain from all these other parts of life. And it's about balance, right? Like it's about just integrating it all and, and just continually evolving and in, in as beautiful way as we can. And I want to go on your Egypt trip now. This is getting me excited. <laughs> Perfect. No, I take you ladies in a heartbeat. Amazing. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I, I think we've come here. I call this the Ertharian experience. Mm. And, um, you know, if we go through the Ertharian experience, not integrating it or having lack or not seeing it, then we're going to miss out and we're going to have to come back and do it all again. Mm. And that's my thing with being here on planet Earth is, we might not get this chance to see it in this beautiful way at this moment, 
Um, It's about what are we creating? What are our souls creating? What are we responsible for? Because that's what follows with us and follows behind us. And a lot of people aren't necessarily understanding that. Um, you asked before, what would be one of the things of not understanding? And of course, I'm going to say Akashic Records. Um, but really understanding that what you say, what you deliver, what you do, what you're contributing is actually in a book or a scroll somewhere that it's all being registered like little energetics. And you've got to say, are you putting pain, harm and suffering or are you putting love, light and hope? Mm. And because there will come a day where you have to register with that. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing now, because time and light is speeding up and we're in this new age of Aquarius, is that karma is answerable in this lifetime. Yes, before it would be answerable in your kind of life between lives in your next lifetime oh no what you're creating is your manifestation of what you're breathing out is being brought back to you in many many ways and this is my big message of be accountable be responsible because sometimes uh the social networks for instance are a representation of the akashic records they were created for you to contribute into the world. Mm-mm. But I think sometimes people don't remember what they're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness for delete buttons and editing buttons. But my job is down here. Now, if I wasn't here, I'd be upstairs and people coming upstairs and I get their records and I go, are you serious? Are you sure that you wanted to put this into the universe? Did you see what you wrote? Oh my goodness. You're going to have to go to, you know, love school for three months. So you're going to have to go in with the angels for a year just to be back in your body. And people don't realize that on some level, in some way, that they will be answerable for that. And I'll be honest, ladies, I've not really ever put that out there. Um, and said, there comes a day of reckoning because it's fire and brimstone. You know, God sees everything. But what we're creating is our own manifestation bubbles that we're going to have to wear at some point. Actually, Amanda, that's one of the things that stood out to me when I first saw you present at the Sedona Ascension Conference was that you you did have that, because this is something Jen and I talk about a lot, is how important it is to take accountability and to really do that personal work here first before you can say, I am this or I want to do that. You really have to have that relationship with yourself and you have to be able to take accountability and responsibility for who you are and what you've done. We all make mistakes. We all hurt yes. other people. It's part of being in the human life. It's kind of un- unavoidable but Mm -hmm. to be able to at least reckon with it you know to 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 absorb the fact that we have done these things and it's not about guilt or shame it's about tracking and learning from our journey and from our choices and decisions so when I saw you present at the Sedona Ascension Conference I felt your integrity and I felt your authenticity yes it really comes across and that is a big part of why I wanted to reach out to you and it's one of the things I told Jenna and then of course we met with you and she saw that as well so I, I just want to ask you, because we're getting close to the end of the interview, um, you have mentioned a couple of times as we've been talking, the divine feminine.
in. And actually, you were saying at the very beginning of the conversation that it's always nice for you to see um, female faces in the audience. You said that specifically. So we're living in a time where the feminine is coming back up to, to uh, I'm not going to say prominence, more visibility, more in a position of power and autonomy and ability to do things in the world and be seen differently as well, right? We're in a time when we're kind of, we're able to own our power in the feminine a little more. That's in the 3D, right? Never mind where the three of us are living, where there's the whole other aspect of the divine feminine and its role in the world right now. Can you speak to the importance of that for our audience? Why is it important for us to be thinking about the divine feminine and what does it mean, especially now? I think what this means is in this age of Aquarius, um, it's more this sisterhood, brotherhood. And we've lived under patriarchal programs for the last 2000 years in the Akashic Records. Now we're moving into this Aquarian wave, everything's up in the air. And women are the creation stories. They're creating, they're creating with their bodies and they're creating with their minds, with their spirits, with their souls. And their silent voices are starting to be silent no more. And they're speaking with a way of reasoning and compassion and understanding. And what that's doing is it's building this rebalance of the left and the right brain. Mm. And therefore, within men and women, we can have that left and right brain perspective. We need that masculine element for kind of sometimes the survival aspects and moving forward and creating those various levels. But now we need those uh, what I call the sacral energies and perspectives to bring that forward because we're bringing these new children into the world. Mm. And um, I connect with a race talking of galactics with a race on a, um, a star called Mintaka. And I call them my Orion grandmothers. And they are absolutely fierce, but they are very straight in their knowledge and wisdom of this nurturing, this divine feminine spirit that she can rise up, that she doesn't become um, a vulnerable lost number in the communities. Mm. she's not just something that you know is left aside that she's heard she's nurtured and this is coming because we're starting to also see where various areas last year all the clients I was dealing with it was female babies coming through mm -hmm. and I thought that that was very strange so we're starting to see more of this coming onto the planet where souls are incarnating in a feminine form because in the sole purpose that may be where they can fully achieve what they need to achieve so it's not that I want to dispel on the masculine we are having more male babies born this year but I'm starting to track with where babies are being born especially in the world because they call to me through the records and we're seeing them in difficult areas and difficult spaces mm. whereas at one time they were kind of pushed aside or left out mm -hmm. it's this evolution that's coming back and it's simply just to come and rebalance and the reason that I feel comfortable when I see um, ladies such as yourself in the audience is that I know we were temple trained together mm -hmm. it's not that um, anything to do with those masculine energies but it's when you see your temple sisters and you're not just speaking for you you're speaking for them because mm -hmm. They're finding their voices as well. Like I said, my big thing is silent voices, silent no more. 
Um, and we do, we speak in subtle ways, we ask the questions. That's how I get to work with the archeologists in Egypt, because I ask subtle questions at subtle times that I get the exact information that I need. And then I go and work with that, rather than pushing my way to the front, getting the mic and pushing the information in, it's retrieving the information. Mm. And this is a skill that I love because I still remember you ladies in the audience and I just felt that information because it was an amazing, amazing conference. But there was a lot of what I call the masculine artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. those kind of things that we don't often see here in Sedona. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a very different, interesting conference for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm dealing with the soft factors and I'm thinking, um, will this be okay for this audience? And I had such positive feedback. It was great. But having some sisters in the audience, it, yeah, it made my day. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for your strength and your leadership and, and your just grace that you bring to the environments that you're in. I think that's you know, it's such a beautiful message again to kind of end on, right? That that feminine quality of retrieving and and receiving and drawing out, you know, the right questions to move us forward in a more, um, you know, harmonious, soft way is is a gift everyone can access, even men, right? That yes. we all have that within us, and we can yes. lean into that that more as we go through this time of change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, maybe as we wrap up, tell the audience how they can find you and where they can find you in Sedona. Okay. So I'm here in Sedona. It's very simple. Amanda at amandaromania.com. You can look on my website and it has links to my programs, my sessions, my journeys. We have temple training, which are short videos to give you insight. We have mastery programs that you can do one-to-one. -one. Um, at the moment, I'm speaking at a couple of events in Sedona. We just finished and wrapped up a cosmic one. And I can work via Zoom. Or if you're coming into Sedona, you can book in advance. The shop is open by appointment at the moment. And we also have an Etsy shop, Atlantis Sedona, that you can purchase. Uh, we do Andara glass, sacred jewelry. Um, you can buy various things that are associated with us. So very simple, amanda at amandaromania.com. Click it into the browser now and you'll see me come up with my golden scarf. Wonderful, wonderful. I just want to mention your books are included in the things that you're offering and your yes. books are wonderful. I've made my way through part of one of them. I'm almost finished that one, the um, uh, Cosmic Akashic, Akashic mm -hmm. Cosmic. Akashic okay. Cosmic. Thank you, Akasha Cosmic. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. Your writing is very clear. It reminds me of your voice, you know, how you speak as well. And that's what I found so engaging when you were doing your presentation. Just, I really value when someone has a lot of knowledge and wisdom to offer and really knows how to make it land for the audience. You know, that is a very special Thank thing. You. It's one thing to have a lot of knowledge and to stand up and talk about it, but if it can't communicate, if it can't land with the people that it's there for, it only serves so much of a purpose. So I found that your the way you speak is very impactful. And I feel that same voice in your book as well. So I just wanted to say that for the audience. Thank and you. we're going to put all your links in the show notes so people can find your link there and links to your book specifically and to everything mm -hmm. else that you're doing as well. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, we want to we want to make sure people know about you, Amanda. You're doing such valuable work in the world, really. And it's a pleasure, a genuine pleasure and an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for being with yes. us. Today. And to, to have this moment of recognition and, and remembrance together, right? What you said about that, that kind of moment of knowing and, you know, when we were in the audience and you were on stage, that's happening so much more these days as we're finding each other, right? As we're finding our, our soul tribes. And so it's just such a beautiful experience to share that now together, but also with the audience. So thank you. Oh, no, Jenna, thank you so much. I'm so glad. I think that was a divine intervention for us crossing paths. Um, I really celebrate the work that you guys are doing. It's amazing. I've seen some of your other programs through this. And um, yeah, I wanted to um, watch a lot of your content and your interesting perspective on things. It's so fresh and valuable. Um, I'm so great that we can, um, that we can collaborate on these yeah. things. Thank so you. Thank yeah, you, I'm ladies. Really looking forward to working with you as well. There's something going on here that we have to utilize. I think so. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank to everyone out there, thank you so much. It's my honor, my pleasure. Oh, it was ours as well. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. And we will be back with you again soon. Definitely check out Amanda and all the incredible things she has to offer. And Bye. don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment. Tell us what you liked about the conversation and um, and what we can talk about more next. We want to, to continue these conversations with, with all of you out there. So thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.